Okay, since it's Father's Day, let me start with the dad question. How many of you keep a can of WD-40 nearby? How many keep it handy? Come on, be honest. You can stick your hand up. Ladies, too, if you have one. That's cool. Kind of goes with duct tape, right? You know, wherever there's one, there's usually the other. I usually have a can in my tool bag, and often I have others placed in strategic locations around the house, and one out at the workshop so I don't have to run back and forth and stuff like that. So last week, on uh, the weekend sometime, I, I realized I had some doors that are really squeaking bad, and they needed lubricated, and so I, I went into the bag that I had in my closet upstairs and got a, a, a can of WD-40, and I wasn't going down right away, so I went into the bathroom, and uh, I placed it on the counter in there, and, and then I promptly forgot it. So it sat there for a couple of days, and you know I didn't really think much of it, and, and it kind of get pushed a little further back into the corner, and that's where my deodorant sits. You can see this coming, right? So Monday, I'm getting ready to go into the office here, and, and I get out of the shower, and I'm all toweled off, and I was in a really great mood, and I had some Joe Valdemassa blues tunes playing on my iPad over here, and I'm bopping away and having a great time, and I reach over and I grab a can, and I promptly spray a heavenly helping of WD-40 under my left arm. <laughs> Now, that doesn't come off very easily, so back into the shower I went, and I'm scrubbing and getting all that stuff off. Uh, you know, and maybe it's a stereotype, but I think that's the kind of thing that only a guy would do. <laughs> Women, I think you're smarter, right? <laughs> you wouldn't do that. But, you know, I think there's a dad joke in there somewhere, right? I mean, there has to be. Uh, but, you know, there's a really great thing about what happened. Now my left shoulder doesn't squeak like it used to. <laughs> All that for the setup, right? <laughs> Today is Father's Day, and uh, I want to talk about some ways this morning that we can have a major impact in the lives of our children uh, and our families in general. Uh, whether you're a dad, um, a single mom raising a family, or a grandparent who's in the late stage of child rearing, and that happens very often these days, as Christians, we have to look to Jesus for a pattern, a pattern to follow in life. This is who we want to be when we grow up. Jesus' character shapes our character. And when we look at the Father in heaven uh, to understand what the earthly father should look like, um, we find all kinds of information. Like in the Bible, in John 14, 9, it says, Anyone who has seen me, and this is Jesus talking, he says, Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. You know, the Father is sort of an enigmatic figure in the, in the Scripture in some ways. But, but if we look at Jesus and if we picture Jesus and we think about who Jesus is and what his character is and what his attributes are, he reflects the Father perfectly. His character is God's character. His attributes are the Father's attributes. And um, it's very clear that the Father and the Son are the same in nature and character and attributes. This morning, the message is called Six Ways to Serve, and, and I want to share six ways that I think we can serve our children as we go along in life uh, that reflect the Father and Jesus the Son. This, this isn't a sermon about how to change your kids, so you can put that notepad away if that's what you were thinking about. 
Uh, this is about changing us in a way that cares for our kids and serves our families, okay? So the first thing this morning I want to talk about is love. Love your children is one of the first ways you can serve your family. Now, maybe I should have said agape your children. You know, there's this word in scripture. Uh, we only have one word for love in English, but Greek has four words for English. Three of them are found in the Bible, and the most prevalent word found in the Bible for love is this word agape. Let me put up a little definition for you. Agape is a sacrificial love that voluntarily suffers inconvenience or discomfort or even death for the benefit of someone else without expecting something in return. It is a self-sacrificing, self-giving kind of love. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, would die for your kids if you were put in a situation of defending them. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And that's what Jesus did. He died for his kids, defending them. When John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, it's not just talking about when it says love, it's not just talking about feelings. It uses that word agape, that self-sacrificing kind of love. You know, it doesn't mean that God just sort of liked you and so he sent Jesus. That's not what it's all about, but that's kind of how we define it. We define it in terms of feelings. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus, right? But if you take another look at the language, there's another way of translating it that I think is a little bit more accurate, and that is that God loved you in this way. In this way, he loved you. He sent his son. He sent his son for you. This is how he showed us his love. It wasn't just his feelings. We know he has feelings. We know he has emotions. We know that God loves us in that way too. But his primary motivation was to show you, to show you how much he loves you. And he did something about his love. And when it says God loved the world, what's the world? What's the world? We're talking about some generic thing. Oh, it's, it's, it's the planet and all the little birds and bees and everything. On. It's really talking about you. It's talking about people. God so loved all the people of the world, including you right now, that he sent his son, Jesus. He still loves you, every single one of you. And guess what? It's not just for your benefit. It's for your children's benefit as well. They are included in this. 1 Corinthians 13, I, I'm not going to turn to it because you probably know it by, very well, but it's a, a chapter in between two chapters that had some dispute in there. You know, there was some disagreement going on in the church at Corinth, and, and so in the middle of this, the Apostle Paul writes a beautiful thing that talks about the kind of love we're supposed to have for each other, and it's a description of this agape love. It says love is patient. It's kind. It's not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. That's a hard one. And it keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't rejoice over injustice, but it celebrates the truth. And love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and it endures in every circumstance. Now, what that's describing is God's love. 
right? God's love. We are called to love as God loves in a self-sacrificing kind of a manner. And guess what? That also means we need to love our children the way that God loves you and loves them. Unconditional love, that's what it's called. Unconditional. You know, we often put conditions on our love, right? We sometimes say, well, we don't say it, but we often think it. Well, I'll hug you. I'll show you my emotions if you do this. If you clean up your room, if you behave the way I want you to. You know, there's this, there are these conditions that often go with, with the way that we love. And we do it as adults, too. In fact, we're, we're especially bad at it as adults. Um, you know, we make our love conditional. I love you if. But that doesn't work. After a while, you got a problem. You have resentful children. You have a really bad attitude that will infect your relationship with God and get in the way. God's love is never conditional. God never stops loving us based on some behavior. No matter what you do, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, God loves you and continues to love you. It doesn't mean he's going to love what you're doing, but he'll never stop loving you. Now, you turn that around, you think about your kids, and you say, wow, that's not always easy. No kidding. That's the sacrificial part. That's the inconvenient part. That's the uncomfortable part sometimes. You know, if I could go back and, and give myself advice as a parent when I was much younger, I have a lot of advice I would give myself. But one of the things I would tell myself is get over yourself. Love is about other people. Love your children with your whole heart. Tell them how much you love them often. And more importantly, show them how much you love them. Because that demonstration is important. That kind of works into the second thing, and that is spend time with your children. Guess what? Jesus spent a lot of time with his children. During his years of ministry, he was always with people. And, and not always the people with the best reputations or the ones that you would think, the righteous-looking dudes. Uh, many, many became children of God because he spent time with them. You know, think about people like Nicodemus or people like Matthew or people like Mary Magdalene, people who, who had been left out, shuttled out, pushed to the side, people who were not in the center of Jewish life, and he spent time with them. It says he hung out with with sinners, with people who, they, they called him a drunkard. They called him all kinds of names because of the people he hung out with and spent time with. But he loved them. And spending time with them showed them how much he loved them. You know, I think of the, you know, some of the, some of the great stories like the story of Zacchaeus and, and just as soon as Jesus said, hey, I'm coming to eat at your place today, I mean, it just changed his entire character. And he began to realize, oh, I'm loved too. I matter too. I'm important too. As a dad, if I had it to do all over again, I would spend so much more time with my kids. Now, we spend time together. 
And we did some really wonderful things together. I cherish the time that we spent together. You know, I remember camping trips and growing a garden with my kids and harvesting the vegetables. I remember tapping maple trees together to make maple syrup, which was just an, an awesome experience. Some days when uh, my oldest daughter was quite young, when she was about maybe four or five, uh, some days she would come to the office with me when we lived in Michigan. And, and that we had a big 10-acre piece of property, and so the parsonage was over on one side of it and the church was on the other. And we would walk across this field in the morning, and then she would have lunch with me, and we would walk back a little bit later on. And often we would stop. There was a pond on the property. And often we would stop, and, and there was a big old snapping turtle that lived in that pond. So we would sort of not get too close, but we would check to see if he was around that day. And sometimes blue herons would come in and land on there. And sometimes, once in a while, we'd have the treat of having a, a snowy egret come in and land. And they are one of the most beautiful birds. And just to be able to do those things with my daughter, that just did something to my heart that I still hold today. You know, I... I remember those things quite sharply. My uh, fondest memories are spending time with my kids, going to the zoo, going out to SeaWorld as a family. Um, Friday night, Elizabeth and I were talking about uh, how when the kids were sick when they were young, we would stay up late and watch movies, uh, Star Wars, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, you know, all the really bad stuff that's on late at night. And, and uh, with Steph, it was Doctor Who and Star Wars, you know? So we just had these times that we remember, and we were talking about this on, on Friday night. Um, we still share music. You know, last night we were listening to music and sharing music back and forth, and, and uh, you know, I was sharing um, this uh, Santana Around the World. There's a new piece that they did this week, which was really cool. And, and so we watched that, and then she said, well, have you heard of this band? And she introduced me to, to Scott Bradley's postmodern uh, jukebox, and, and we watched that together. And it, there's something about spending time. And there's a, a sense of understanding in the spending time that I love you, and I care about you, and I care about your needs. And sometimes as parents, we have to be a little tolerant, right? Stuff happens. I remember one time Steph wanted to make a garden. And I'm really into gardening, so, so we picked a garden spot, and she wanted stepping stones in the garden, but we didn't have any big flat rocks or anything to put in there. And, and so then she kind of went away, and I thought she forgot about it. Well, a couple of weeks later, I'm in the living room, and I see a big truck pull up outside. And it drives right up onto the front lawn, and a guy gets out and he starts unloading these great big flat rocks onto the front lawn. Well, it turned out that Stephanie had gone with uh, some friends to their cottage and seen a lot of flat rocks and said, we really need, my dad really needs some of those at home. And so they arranged, all without telling dad that this truck was coming, that these, these things were coming. And we ended up building that garden together. But, you know, sometimes there are little surprises that happen in life that you're not necessarily expecting but there we are spending time together is a blessing even it means even if it means the occasional surprising moments well the third thing is bless them like the father now, how do we do that 
Well, in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, Jesus himself is being baptized, and he goes down into the water, and it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. The father is blessing the son with this declaration in front of this whole community of people who were down there getting baptized. He says, this is my son and I love him. And I'm really pleased with him. I'm proud of him. How many of us have longed to hear that kind of affirmation from our own fathers, from a parent or a father, a declaration in front of others that they're proud of you, that they're pleased with you. You know, a lot of woundings that we experience in life happen when we're young, and we carry some of those things through our whole lives. But also, the blessings of youth we carry through our lives, too. And so we need to bless our children. My dad wasn't very good at that. Um, a lot of the time he was very British. And, uh, you know, they kind of tend to hang on to their emotions. Even though he was a very emotional person, he, he was always struggling not to show those emotions for some reason. And he was kind of more along the line of, you know, I love you, and if that ever changes, I'll tell you, right? <laughs> That's kind of the way he was. He just didn't tell you very often. Uh, he was not big on affirmation, but I remember on the day that I graduated from college, and he was there, and I, I was a little unsure. Our relationship had been a bit strange for a while, and, and he was there at the graduation, and after graduation, he stopped me on the front lawn of the college, and he put his hands on my shoulders, and he looked me right in the eyes, and he said, I want you to know I am proud of you. Now, that meant everything in the world. You know, because I had thought that he was disappointed in me because I left a, a, a flourishing career in radio to go back to school and study ministry and, you know, totally different thing. I even thought he might have been a little bit angry about that. But that blessing that he gave me, that affirmation that he gave me made all the difference in the world. You need to affirm your kids. You need to bless your kids no matter how old they are. They need to hear it from you. There is always something that you can affirm them in, always. They may be doing some stuff you don't like, but there are always going to be places where you can say to them, I'm proud of you and I love you. Maybe they have a kind, caring heart, or they're a good person and they care about the needs of the people around them. Maybe they're a good parent, they're grown in parenting, or, or maybe they've reached some special milestone in their lives. Take them aside and say, I love you, and I'm proud of you. Bless them like the Father blessed the Son. The, the fourth thing is, is kind of a no-brainer, but it's pray for your children. Pray for them. It seems obvious, but, but this is one of the best ways you can serve your family. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, and I think this is a parent's prayer, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, that includes the ones you get into with your teenage kids, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You ever get anxious for your kids? You sometimes worry? Some of you are going, only every day. <laughs> Pray for them. Lift them to God. Doesn't matter if they're little kids. Doesn't matter if they're grown and, you know, getting on in life. Pray for your kids. You know, if they're new parents, if you're new parents, this is something we did, before they're even born, start praying for them, you know? When they're newborn, pray over that crib every night. You know, as they grow, pray over them, even when they don't want you to pray over them, <laughs> even when they don't want you to pray for them. They don't know if you're praying. Pray anyway. You know, at some time, they leave the nest. They, they go away, and they're away from home. And, and unless you have a failure to launch situation, you can pray about that too. You can ask them to pray that they would leave. But, but you can be running, or you cannot be running interference for your kids all their lives. You can't be there in every situation fixing things. It just doesn't work that way. And they have to choose their own way, and they, they have to make choices. And so you can pray for them, pray for their choices, for their safety, for their life situations, for their spiritual lives, for their general well-being. Pray that they'll know Jesus. You can pray in so many different ways. You know, there are whole books on this, so I, I won't spend a lot of time dwelling on this, but pray for your kids. It's so important. And never stop praying no matter what and no matter what age they become. Fifth thing I want to show you here is be real with your children. This is a hard one for some of you. You know, we were taught when we were younger that, that being a Christian meant you put on this face. And this face is, you know, what you put it on with your makeup in the morning or when you're slapping on your aftershave. And, and that's the face you wear because that's what a Christian looks like, right? Your kids know you're wearing a mask. Your kids know you're not being real, that you're not being authentically you. They know all about it. And especially true of little kids. They have, like, radar. They can, <laughs> okay, something's wrong. Beep, 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 you know. They figure it out real fast. You need to be the real you with your kids. Now, you don't have to burden them with every little thing that you're going through. That's not healthy. But at the same time, you need to help them to understand that not everything in life is all roses. You also need to help them to understand that even when there's difficulty, you can work through it and get to the other side. Amen? That's an important way to teach our kids. We need to be able to help them to see who we really are. John 8, 32 says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, we always talk about that in terms of salvation, and that is so true. The truth of Jesus sets us free. But it's also true in so many other ways in your Christian life. It didn't stop at salvation. It keeps on going. There, well, I've heard some situations that, that, that frighten me. I've, I've heard of dads who lose their jobs and then leave the house every morning because they can't admit to their family that they lost their jobs. And I've heard of several of those instances. And, and it's when the discovery is finally made, it's so painful. 
and it causes such damage. They, they couldn't face their families with the truth, but the truth is better than a lie. And that doesn't mean you need to air all your dirty laundry in front of them. But don't hide the real self, your real, who you really are. Christian life is not always easy as we make it out to be. Don't be afraid of showing a couple of cracks. Don't pretend that it's all right with the world or that you're always putting on a brave face. Be real. And the last thing I want to say is, if it's necessary, start over with your children. Scripture says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. We serve a God of second chances. God gave us a second chance, and I think we'll find sometimes when we have to start over, when there's some kind of rift or some kind of difficulty, I think that, that sometimes we have to find the, the heart, the voice to say, please forgive me. Find forgiveness and start again. That's what God offers us in new life in Jesus. We can do that with other people in our relationships too. Sometimes we have to say, I was wrong. I always think of the Fonz when I, I see that. You know, he used to always, I, I was, and he couldn't say it. He couldn't say, I was wrong. We need to be able to say, I was wrong. Other times we have to forgive even when there's no kind of repentance going on for our own sake. You know? There is no shame in admitting you're wrong, but I believe there is some shame in letting our pride keep our relationship from developing with our kids at any age. I've seen a lot of relationships restored over the years, and almost all of them started with the words, please forgive me. I remember another time, my dad and I didn't have an easy relationship. We, we loved each other, and we, we did all kinds of things over the years, but there were times where we struggled, you know, and, and we butted heads, and and I remember a time where things you know, were a little bit tense and I hadn't been up to see them for a while. And when my dad in his retirement years, he was um, working on racing cars. He, uh, he had worked for BMW for a good part of his life. And when he retired, um, there was a racing shop nearby where he lived. And so he would go over there and he would work on cars. They would take them out and race them during the week and bang them up. And my dad would put them back together. And, and I stopped in, I knew he was at the shop, and I stopped in on the way up to see him one weekend and, and walked in, and here he was, he was struggling, trying to get, uh, you know, the, it's, it's not exactly the, the, the hood, because it's in the middle at the back on an M1 uh, supercar, uh, BMW supercar. They sometimes use them for Formula One racing. And, and he was putting this thing back on, and he couldn't get it on. And, it, and after saying hi, he says, could you give us a hand over here? And so I went over, and we, you know, we lifted this thing, and we put it back over top of the engine and bolted it down because they bolt the four corners in a race. And, and uh, it was a little thing. It was a little thing, but it was an icebreaker. And, and I remember that just sort of, you know, for the next while, it was just like, we were doing okay. Neither one of us had to say I was sorry or I was wrong. It was sort of implicit in the being together and doing together, you know? 
And I think God gives us those moments, little serendipity times where, where we just have to sort of step in. And all of a sudden, we let our hair down and we let our guard down. And there we are in love with each other again, you know, caring for each other. You know, there's so many things we could be talking about this morning. I mean, I, I gave you a list of six. There's so many other different ways, but I think these six are a good place to start. Love your kids. Love your children. Spend time with your children. Bless them like the Father blessed Jesus. Pray for your children. Be very real and honest and authentic with your children. And start over if it's necessary. Just go back to the beginning and start over. Ask forgiveness, seek forgiveness, give forgiveness, and see where it takes you. Heavenly Father, this is Father's Day. And we're celebrating dads, and we thank you for every father. And Lord, sometimes these relationships are complicated. Sometimes they don't go exactly the way we would like. But Lord, you give us a way. I thank you for the privilege of parenting. We do our best, but we're not always successful. Lord, we ask you to lead us and to help us follow your example. Lord, you may have called us to a life where we need to help bless and raise children from other parts of our family or children in the church. Let us all be wise as, as in the parental role and to be helpful and to be encouraging. Lord, I pray for our fathers today. I ask that you protect them, guard their hearts, draw them to you, and help them as they go about the business of being dead. Bring your blessing upon us, we pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen.